You're listening to Between Two Consultants, Logic 2020's original business and technology podcast. I'm Nick Kelly. And I'm Ethan Silvers. We're two consultants who talk to super smart people about the latest trends in technology and business. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Between Two Consultants. My name's Ethan Silvers. And I'm Nicholas Kelly. And we thank everybody for joining us once again. We're very fortunate to have on this show, Cynthia Phillips. And today we're gonna be talking about remote work. What does the data say? And I can't wait to hear from Cynthia about it. Cynthia, do you wanna give an introduction? Glad to join you both. Yes, Cynthia Phillips. I am a global project leader and also a PhD candidate currently studying organizational commitment and change readiness among remote employees. So today we're going to be talking about remote work. What does the data say? Cynthia, do you want to give us a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about? Absolutely. So, you know, remote work, first probably we should define it. It's when we're talking about it, telecommuting, it means conducting work through a computer, not at a shared physical location. And as we all know, because we're connecting through a computer, we've uh, increased remote work. In fact, it increased twofold during COVID. So during the pandemic in the US alone, it went from around 30% to over 60%. It varies around the world, but as we can see, we're at much higher levels. And we do expect that remote work will continue to remain at higher levels, even if it does go back down to, uh, from the pandemic, it'll still be higher than pre-pandemic. Also, Cynthia, there's a ton of questions uh, I have for you. I think it's a, it's a really exciting topic, and I think a lot of people watching are, are going to find it uh, pretty riveting as well. Um, right out of the gate, I feel like it should be more than it doubled. So. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Like the, you know, someone who's completely uneducated in the space, like myself, just kind of like that gut feel, doing the complete opposite of using data, uh, was to immediately think, wow, it should be like triple or quadruple that. So could you talk a little bit more about that number there? Sure, why it isn't even higher? Yeah. Is that the question? So there is, um, there is a, a point at which, of course, in certain jobs can't be conducted remotely. And we do see differences for industrialized, non-industrialized countries. Um, so some of them won't, are just aren't suitable. Uh, we, I share, like you, our ability to um, go to remote work where it's appropriate, but we see that some, some jobs aren't going to be uh, put online anytime, probably even in the future, until they're entirely replaced. Or Awesome. Let's take Nick, that. <laughs> Nick, Nick, there you are, Nick, in your ivory tower, not understanding the plight of the people. Yeah, I, look, I, 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 what, what I, I think probably what I don't understand is what was the percentage of jobs that require you to be there in person, and and in a kind of like an ignorance around the amount of jobs that are translatable. Uh, to being virtual and, and that's probably where the disconnect is for me and my you know understanding of the, the makeup of the workforce and particularly in the states but the the trends over the last year during the COVID era are, are, are there any sp specific trends that are standing out for you right now based on your research you know what's been interesting nick is that 
prior to the pandemic, uh, companies with greater remote work populations were faring better financially. And we also saw a continuation of something similar where companies who successfully pivoted their workforce to be online um, continued to fare better. Several companies, unfortunately, didn't survive the pandemic and the initial shock. Um, and now as companies who have done better, they're really reevaluating how do they ensure business continuity moving forward in case um, something happens again and we need to have these higher higher levels. So now we're, we're getting to look at the hindsight and think about, all right, we saw those trends, now what do we put in place? Cynthia, part of what really got me excited about this topic is we've heard so much anecdotal. And now we're bringing on research, uh, which is which is great. And it's w one of the things that uh, Nick and I really like to focus on. So because of your research, you have some insight into this. Love to hear about what are comparing the benefits, the pros and cons, um, uh, what you're seeing in the research to working remote these days. So the research is increasing. Before this, we didn't have as much focus on remote work, but fortunately some studies are, are coming out with really interesting findings. And transparently, um, they're not all, all the same. We do see benefits, so some studies will report benefits of reduced stress, um, you know, better balance, greater job satisfaction and commitment, where Conversely, other studies will show that uh, remote workers experience isolation, uh, lack of satisfaction, or disengagement. And really, when we look across all of these studies, something that really stands out is that it depends on the remote worker condition. Um, you know, when we're re working remotely in conditions where we have to because of a pandemic, it's quite different than we're working remotely and it, it you know, feels like a, a, a privilege for some folks. Um, so it's very much the, the conditions under which the person is working and how they perceive that remote work for whether or not they're positive or negative outcomes. Cynthia, one of the things I you know wanted to pick up on what you're just saying there, and you know, if it's out of the realm of your research, you know, feel free to to not answer it. But that that sense of isolation that people are feeling uh, to some degree. Uh, what's the research saying about like who should own that? Who who should be responsible for that feeling? Is it is it the expectation that the organization should manage that, or is that more of a, you know, you're you know you work for this organization, um, your feelings of isolation are maybe not the responsibility of of the companies. I'd be very keen to understand what the research is saying there. That's a really interesting question because first it was get folks online and now how do we operate how do we connect with people online to reduce that sense of isolation i would see actually companies making uh, more intentional engagement and outreach and really they have some some interesting opportunity here because when it was in a physical location you might see this proximity to power if you will there's a um a person in power and then people kind of huddle around them and you maybe have a, a corridor of power. And when we're online, um, we no longer have that ability to walk by, um, but maybe we have a different type of opportunity. So I would see us getting really intentional to, to schedule an app. I would say that it's in company best interest and in care of their employees to be really intentional and, and create both structured and unstructured 
uh, engagements that are, are online. Let's oh, move. If, yes. if I could add on, sorry, one more quick thing I, with I'm that. I'm so sorry to interrupt our guest. I'm sure I'll be hearing about it from Nick and our producer, Courtney, later. A million apologies, Cynthia. <laughs> so, um, uh, the other, another really interesting thing is before we went remote in large companies, there were colleagues with whom we never interacted. So again, this being really intentional, uh, we have just as much opportunity to reach out and kind of, uh, close that divide and have those conversations. All right, enough about this touchy feely, how do human beings feel? Let's cut to the brass tacks, Cynthia. Let's talk about productivity. Now, I remember when we started, I was working way more hours because all of a sudden I was, at, after we got rid of the kids, we'll go into that later, dropped them off at the fire station, um, uh, working a ton of hours. And my understanding is that productivity sort of like shot up once people figured out how to do it and there was more time. Have you read anything in the research about productivity, either how it started, how it was in the middle, how it is today, anything around those lines? Yes, actually. So there was a Harvard study that did confirm, uh, perhaps that's the one you're referring to, that productivity increased. And then some additional studies that cited drawbacks were that there were blurred lines. People didn't know when they were uh, leaving for work or coming back. So um, that kind of went along with the, the productivity. So I do think also that, that we'll really look at when should employees be disconnecting and helping to encourage them to make more of that differentiation between uh, when, when our work ends and our personal life begins. Uh, love it. It's one of those things I kind of assume, again, that would would happen like that increase in productivity. And for myself, I got all this time back, not having from not having to commute. And, you know, able to put that time into other things like, you know, like maybe family life or follow some hobbies um, or, you know, just general professional coaching for Ethan. But all of that had a has a positive impact, right? That like, you know, but there's the flip side, which is, you know, there's the uh, other people maybe don't want that. And, you know, there, there is maybe an enjoyment with the interaction with people in, in work um, and their productivity is dependent on that. So is there like, is there nuance to it based on that research? Like what you're seeing with productivity, some people are wildly more productive. Some people are a little bit more. And then maybe other folks are just like, they'll just do way better in the office. So I'd want to be sure to cite research, and I don't remember any seeing anything between uh, who is more productive and and who isn't, other than general engagement workers who are engaged. So our strategies have to say that we're trying to engage them, or we're, and we're we're actually reaching out and doing that. When you mentioned the commute, though, it reminded me of a study that uh, I think 25 million American workers are commuting 90 minutes or more a day. And there was an association of increased commute time with decreased uh, relationship success. So 
in that sense, hopefully you can be using more of that time to build the family relationship. Yeah, I mean, like when, when I've had to commute in the past, the way that I've saved time on that is I just uh, put on cruise control and hop in the back seat and start working. Very productive. <laughs> not, and uh, be very uh, not advice. Uh, please don't anyone do that. Just Take it as advice or not. Just, just one for legal. Don't do that. Yeah. All right. I mean, I've, it's given me a lot of free time. Also about the hobbies, Nick, totally resonates with me. You and me, we uh, have started putting on a pay-per-view um, for our uh, street brawls. Um, Cynthia, let's. There's. we've been reading about these pushes uh, to get folks back to work. Um, I, we're, we're hearing it about tech companies. Ha, have you been reading or seeing anything about where that push is coming from? Seems like productivity is up. Yeah, there's some downsides, but with productivity up, uh, but it does feel like there's a push. Do you have a sense of, of where that's coming from? You know, you're right. We read that uh, Google was promoting for people to go back to work, for instance, but Google invested like a billion dollars in their in their site. So, of course, they're interested in getting people to go back to work. But even with everything that was luring people to go into those offices and all of the perks that they have in those offices, they still got some backlash and pulled back on their position. So we see that companies, um, some of them are wanting to push forward with having people go to the office and relenting. And I, I would also just, something that I've observed is when we have leaders who are um, wanting employees to return to offices, they're often citing those examples that reinforce their own position. You know, this company's doing that. Actually though, with like over 80% of leaders saying that they expect some roles to continue remotely and 90% of HR, then you can see that the data doesn't really say, other than these spectacular examples, that companies are forcing people to return. Hmm. And, and I'm not... I, I'm not sure even that if we just thought about the examples that there's any evidence that employees are are wanting to do that. Because um, if you're searching for work on LinkedIn, you know, you can search for remote work, but there's no button that says, I'm gonna search for, we work in the office. If there was a button, I would think LinkedIn would want it and they would have it if there was demand. Mm -hmm. Love it, great point. And we're about to wrap up this is such a deep topic, Cynthia, and we'd love to have you back on at some point to dive deeper into it. But before we go, could you give us any of your predictions for what's going to happen with the, all the uncertainty we hear? Some companies want to go back, some some are not so sure. Uh, what are your predictions? I think the digital nomad will become more prevalent in the future. I, I really see if we, if, you know, kids are asking us um, or we're telling them like the walked five miles in the snow, I think we'll tell them we used to drive 30 minutes to work so that we could sit at a desk, mostly working from a computer or on the phone. And those kids are going to say, but didn't you have computers and phones at home? And we're going to say, yeah, but we wanted to be around the water cooler. And they're going to look very confused that that's why we had these physical work 
areas. Now, I, I say that I want to make really clear. I absolutely think that there there is a need um, to be in person, but we are seeing that this is face to face for a lot of people, right? We we have the vocal intonation, we see the expression, um, and, and so it's it is still a sustainable uh, uh, platform with a lot of benefits that should continue. Have you guys tried to uh, talk with your kids about how we used to watch TV? There used to be ads. We'd have to sit through those. I, yeah. My kids don't understand what that means. It's, it's completely. I mean, you have to wait for a show. You'd have to wait. Hey, it's on every Sunday or whatever it is. And, and you have to be patient about it. You couldn't just consume it all on demand. Yeah, the, the, the dark ages. Um, uh, you guys brought up um, that Google has put $1 billion into uh, their um, their offices. Um, I think, Nick, tell me if this is right. Um, we've put about half of that into between two consultants. Yeah, at least. It's hard to quantify a lot of it. Uh, uh, there's also a considerable amount of IP. Yeah, uh, Courtney, I, I know you're on mute. You don't have to feel free to just tell me to buzz off. Um, do you know what the count is up to? Is it half a billion? It's close, getting there. All right. Just Good. a few more. Yeah. Yeah. We're within five. Yeah, and as I as we're talking and I have feedback, it's fairly obvious. Um, Cynthia, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up? Just one other thing. I think that we're talking mostly around employees and the benefits to employees. But to underscore that there are a lot of benefits to employers and to uh, greater society. So the research is mixed, but overall looking across studies, carbon footprint does go down. So again, you'll see variable studies and I'd caution that we wouldn't cite one or the other. And, and also as a strategy, by attracting talent, you're better able to um, attract employees with disabilities mm -hmm. who already tend to work more from home. So they very much benefit from increased remote working opportunities and by letting employees live where they need to live, you're serving their needs because they can live closer to their families or in um, cities that they can afford uh, the housing that they would like. So it's really a, a leveling playing field mechanism that uh, helps employees, employers, and the environment as long as we do it thoughtfully. Hmm. Words of words of wisdom, Cynthia, and a great way to wrap up the episode. This has been really interesting, big topic. I think there's there's lots of uh, avenues to explore with it. Um, I'm Nicholas Kelly, and I'm Ethan Silvers. This has been between two consultants, uh, Cynthia. Thank you again for your time, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Logic 2020s Between Two Consultants. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe so you can get each episode delivered directly to your favorite podcast app. To learn more, visit our website at logic2020.com. You can also find us, Nicholas Kelly and Ethan Silvers, on LinkedIn. So give us a follow. See you next time.